David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Whoa, it is 9.20 a.m. Wednesday, the 9th of October 2019. It is episode 148 of Bitcoin and... Dave underscore Parrish uh, and I have a little bit of a back and forth. Uh, he's been listening for a while. Uh, I had put up uh, episode 147 on Monday, and in that we were, I was talking about, oh, like you know, to be be cautious about saying that lightning payments were going to always remain uh, really cheap. And I, I still reiterate that caution. However, David has a has a, a good take on it, and he he wrote me back. He, basically, he he responded to the announcement, the Twitter announcement that I make on my shows. Whenever I put a show up, I I do a tweet shows the the uh, or puts up the uh, link to the SoundCloud and what I'm going to be you know some of the things that I'm going to be talking about. He wrote back to that and he says, "I think Lightning payments will stay cheap." because there is a lot of competition to become a routing node and some merchants will choose to subsidize the cost. And then he gave me, he flipped me some sats, man, which was, which is always cool. He did that through at bottle pay and you can too, if you would like to flip me some sats or well, hell anybody who's got a bottle bottle pay account um, and you've got it enabled in your browser, you can write from your uh, in, in mine. I can actually do it right from, I think, uh, well, I can do it right from my main Twitter. I can't do it from my from my tweet uh, tweet deck yet. But if you want to do that kind of thing, uh, myself and anybody else who gets flipped some sats would be most appreciative. So uh, let's see, getting on up. Oh, we got to con- we got to say congratulations to at Dergigi, D E R G I G I, because he wrote today that he just realized that he achieved one of his goals to contribute to a BIP. No matter how minor the contribution, the best part, it's BIP69. Yeah. Congratulations, Gigi. It doesn't matter what it was. You got a, you contributed to a BIP. That's awesome. Lots of us cannot say that. You can. All right. Oh, let's see here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, this I ran across this. I don't know who this dude is, but he's got the blue check mark, so I guess he's legit. Uh, but he's his heart's in the right place, so I don't give a shit if he's got a check mark or, or not. Uh, at Ben Askren, B E N A S K R E N, he tweeted out, uh, when was this? On the 7th, so a couple of days ago, just bought more BTC using at eToro was really easy. Now all your Twitter, now all you Twitter geniuses can tell me crypto is a scam while my assets go up. Why am I even reading this to you? Because Ben Askren has over a quarter of a million followers, 278,962. 
uh, followers just got that thing uh, in their feed. So again, we've got, and I don't know who Ben Askren is. His bio says jack shit. If you guys know who the dude is, let me know. Cause I don't know. All I do know is that he just blasted out that he's buying actual Bitcoin and not a shit coin via his Twitter account. And over a quarter million people just saw that. So let's see, is that it for community stuff? It is. Let's get into the morning roundup. We're going to start with Brad Keown writing for Coindesk yesterday. Tiny $217 options trade on Bitcoin blockchain could be Wall Street's death knell. (laughs) The cryptocurrency industry isn't replacing Wall Street just yet. But investors and entrepreneurs are working on it with some initial success, albeit modest. In this case, an option premium of 0.0202 Bitcoin, $217 at the time, paid via a smart contract may have just become the proof of concept. The latest target for blockchain disruption is options trading tied to the Standard & Poor's 500 Index, the main benchmark for United States stocks. It's a massive market with roughly $400 billion of the options changing hands every day last year on average. Under the current setup, Wall Street firms typically execute the trades and handle the settlement afterward, essentially making sure the securities end up in the buyer's account and that the cash ends up with the seller. But for investors, the process can be expensive due to the middlemen fees being charged and slow, with settlement typically taking a day or two. In July, Emmanuel Go. CEO of London-based firm Skew, a startup specializing in analytical tools for the crypto industry, says he came up with the idea of using the Bitcoin blockchain to trade S&P 500 options. Go was previously a trader in London for J.P. Morgan Chase, the largest U.S. bank, where he slung options on auto, chemical, consumer, and industrial stocks. In other words, the option markets is, is an arena he knows well, at least in the traditional sense. Earlier this month, Skew, which spells its name with a period... <laughs> announced $2 million in seed funding from several venture capital firms, including the Silicon Valley icon Kleiner Perkins. The S&P project or options project was entirely experimental, Go told Coindesk. The challenge was mainly to see if it could be done. Since the trade would essentially be automated via computer programming, it would be less expensive to conduct and settle a lot faster, maybe in just 10 or 15 minutes, according to Go. Go said the technology that made it possible comes from Crypto Garage, a subsidiary of the publicly traded Tokyo-based firm Digital Garage. Crypto Garage has developed an expertise in smart contracts, small strings of programming that can be encoded into the Bitcoin blockchain to run when activated. The transaction needed to cross on the Bitcoin blockchain, Go said, because it's the most secure in the industry. Even though smart contracts are generally considered easier to program on the scam chain Ethereum network. Sorry, that that was me. He didn't write that. That's, That's me. Continuing. So on September the 6th, Go says... He took some British pounds from an in-house research and development fund at SKU, converted those into Bitcoin, and then used the proceeds to buy 10 S&P 500 call spreads, a popular type of option, from Crypto Garage, all under a new smart contract with terms agreed to by both counterparties in minutes. The expiration date for the options was set for the third Friday of the month, similar to the standard practice on many exchanges. At the outset, SKU paid an options premium of 0.0. 
to uh, 0.0202 Bitcoin or $217 via the smart contract. And Crypto Garage posted a 0.04667 Bitcoin as collateral on September the 20th. The expiration date, the smart contract automatically used a price feed from Atlanta-based Intercontinental Exchange to establish the final price for the S&P 500. The trade went into SKU's favor, or I'm sorry, the trade went in SKU's favor, resulting in a payout of 0.036 Bitcoin or $365 at the time. Crypto Garage got 0.01 Bitcoin of its collateral back. SKU later sent some money back to Crypto Garage as a true up. Above is an image produced with data from the Bitcoin blockchain, the trade settlement at Xberry. Initially daunting, it's the elegant simplicity here that is the promise of a blockchain-driven future, and it's just a picture of that transaction in a block in your standard everyday block explorer. That's that's all that the picture is. So don't worry about that. At the top. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Hold on. Ugh. For Go, the big takeaway from the exercise is that it worked. Quote, the trade settlement took 45 minutes to process with total transaction costs equal to a few U.S. dollars. The smart contract knows exactly how much the parties will get back. End quote, Go says. <clears throat> In theory, he says, the cost would have remained the same even if the notional amount of the trade had stretched into the millions or billions of dollars. The important part, he says, is that you don't have to have all the intermediaries. Could the new process be scaled up to handle the volume of S&P option trade currently handled by securities firms? Probably not without improvements to the Bitcoin blockchain's processing capacity, Go says. But a lot of programmers are working on doing just that. Of course they are. Of course they are. In the annals of technology breakthroughs, it's not exactly Ben Franklin hanging a key on the end of a kite, but the little $217 options trade might be a step forward in making financial markets cheaper and faster to use with less Wall Street involvement. So how about that? You like them apples? Because, man, that that's some apples right there. That that This is the kind of boring stuff that is now going to to become exciting you know the, the options trading woo you know you know i've never been a trader i'm never going to be a trader i just i can't imagine but i i can almost guarantee that people who are knee deep in trading would like under normal circumstances they go into their office on a day and it's like yay we're doing the same thing and the only exciting thing would be to be right and make shit tons of money however this is, you know, this is kind of, this would makes that exciting to me. Although on the flip side, people are going to start losing their jobs because of this. Not any times, maybe not as soon as we think, but if developed to its full potential, yeah, there's going to be some middlemen that are, that are, or not some, probably a shit ton of middlemen that are going to be cut out of that equation. Jimmy Aki is writing for Bitcoin Magazine yesterday, widow of Quadriga CX founder to forfeit 9 million to exchange victims. Yes, Quadriga is still in the news. I told you guys it was going to take freaking forever for this crap to wash out. Just remember, when you're dealing with exchanges, either don't or make sure that you pull all your stuff off the exchanges whenever you're done. Do not leave that crap on there overnight because this kind of crap can happen to you. And if you don't know what's going on with Quadriga CX, it's it is a it's a shit show of epic proportion 
and it's been going on for over a year. So, or close to somewhere around there. Let's just get into this one. Canadian cryptocurrency exchange Quadra CX has been in the news regularly through 2019. Now victims of its controversial fund loss are set to receive compensation from the founder's widow. Yeah, well, yeah, when the check clears. When the check clears, guys, that's when you can start saying crap like that. Otherwise, yeah, I don't know. Bets are off the table. Jennifer Robertson, the widow of late Quadriga CX founder Gerald Cotton, released a personal statement on October the 7th, agreeing to forfeit a majority of her assets to those who are affected by its impropriety. An accompanying statement from the exchange's court-appointed trustee, Ernst & Young, indicated the estimated value of these distributions is approximately $9 million U.S., Quote, following the sudden and unexpected death of my husband, Gerald Cotton, I made every effort to assist in the recovery of Quadriga CX assets for the benefit of affected users. I have now entered into a voluntary settlement agreement where the vast majority of my assets and all of the estate's assets are being returned to QCX to benefit the affected users. These assets originally came from QCX at the direction of Jerry referring to her late husband. Robertson also reiterated that she had no prior knowledge of how Cotton ran the exchange prior to his death in 2018. However, given the recent revelations about his improper conduct, she believes that placing that placating users is the right thing to do. I wouldn't use the word placating, but whatever. The problems at Quadriga CX started surfacing in January 2019 when it announced that it was insolvent, owing clients about $250 million or 250 million Canadian dollars following the death of Cotton in December 2018. Then on February 5th, 2019, the Canadian court granted it bankruptcy protection. Later that month, it emerged that the exchange had sent approximately $355,000 worth of Bitcoin to cold storage wallet inadvertently. And in April 2019, investigation by Ernst & Young suggested Cotton had been financing, oh, guess what? Personal expenses with company funds. Scammer. Most recently, in June of 2019, Ernst & Young estimated that the missing funds total $214 million, or Canadian dollars, only $33 million Canadian dollars of which it was able to recover. It also found that Cotton was using fake accounts to trade non-existent funds with real users, cycling the results, uh, the resulting cryptocurrency through other exchanges. Cotton also reportedly incurred fees and losses due to these trades adversely affecting Quadriga's asset reserves. Robertson denounced her late husband's criminal activities in her recently released statement, adding that she would turn over assets accrued from his illegal wealth to Quadriga CX's customers who were left stranded by a sudden death. Quote, as a result of the monitor's investigation, I have agreed to return QCX assets that I had previously thought were purchased with Jerry's legitimately earned profit, salary, and dividends. I was upset and disappointed with Jerry's activities as uncovered by the investigation when I first learned of them and continue to be as we conclude this settlement, end quote. In doing so, Cotton's widow hopes to appease Quadriga CX's victims. In return, this settlement will allow me to move on with the next chapter of my life. Wow. Uh, yeah, Gerald definitely was screwing up, but the the mere thought that she didn't know what was going on because there's commingling of funds. They weren't, they didn't talk about that. Her company that she owns somehow or another was sharing bank, you know, bank account information or there were trades. I can't remember exactly how it occurred, but there was clear commingling of funds between Quadriga CX and Gerald Cotton's widow's wife at the time when he was alive. Okay. What she just did is throw her ex 
dead ex under the bus to save her ass. She's offering literally a pittance of what is actually owed to people that got hosed. $9 million on $250 million in losses. $9 million in $250 million in losses. Maybe placate was the exactly the appropriate word to use. It's not going to placate them. That's they're, they're all hosed. Again, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. Keep your money off of exchanges lest this befall you. Oh, the NBA stuff. God, oh, this isn't what you think though, okay? Uh, this is just shit coinery. This, this straight up shit coinery. This doesn't have anything to do with the China thing. Um, I, I'm, <laughs> I don't watch the NBA, so I don't really give a shit. I can't participate in the cancel culture because I, I've never really watched basketball because I literally does. I don't care. I, I like football, but I, I don't care about basketball. Here we go. NBA's Sacramento Kings to reward loyal fans with shit coins. Oh, I mean with crypto tokens. This is Coindesk Nathan DiCamillo uh, writing October the 7th. Quote, fans can get those points and put them in their wallets and experience it all on the blockchain platform. King CTO Ryan Montoya told, <laughs> told Coindesk Montoya. I love that. Further, Montoya said the token called King's Token will pair with a predictive gaming platform the team has developed in anticipation of the legalization of sports betting in California. The King's Token is a joint effort with blockchain-based event ticketing platform Block Party. Quote, in our opinion, the blockchain has a role in the entire event experience, whether it's a sports game, music festival, or a Broadway show. Vladislav Ginsberg, Block Party's chief development officer, told Coindesk, Block Party is putting together a case study on the project. CEO Shiv Madden added, in the hope that it will be shared with other NBA teams if the project is deemed a success. It's just the latest foray into blockchain technology for the Sacramento team, which is based 90 miles northeast of San Francisco. In 2014, the Kings became the first NBA team to accept Bitcoin as payment in its arena. Last year, the Kings became the first professional sports team to mine cryptocurrency, setting up a program called Mining for Good that donates the funds to charity. King's Tokens will exist within a token wallet added to the team's Golden One Center app, which tracks the engagement and accumulated points of fans. Fans can earn rewards through the predictive gaming platform and redeem those points for access to unique events, signed merchandise, or courtside tickets, for example. The ERC-20 token will be run on Ethereum, but will only initially be usable within the team's Golden One Center arena. While fans won't be able to trade tokens for another currency or have a private key, they will be able to show a QR code to redeem points and see the confirmation of transactions through a block explorer. In testnet now, the King's plan is to launch the token by opening night on October the 25th. In future iterations, token users may be able to transfer tokens to their peers and earn rewards by eating at nearby restaurants or making it to the game before tip-off, Ginsburg added. Quote, this is a mass adoption story, end quote, Ginsburg said, adding, quote, 41 games of 20,000 people. I'm going to go ahead and say that many of those people don't own any crypto whatsoever. Suddenly, by downloading the Golden One Center app, they are going to have an ERC-20 wallet with an ERC-20 token. Why didn't you just drop your drawers and take a giant crap on them all? Because as far as, you know, we all now know that Ethereum doesn't work. Their own development core says it doesn't work. They're going to have to scrap it and build Ethereum 2.0. 
Why is that not sinking in? What, what is it about this shit that you guys don't get? You got, you're getting scammed and you're, you're, you're unloading, you're allowing bags to be unloaded on 41 times 20,000 people. 41 games of 20,000 people, that's a lot of people, even if they're like, you know, a bunch of people that, that go to every game. You're just giving them crap. You should have just used Bitcoin. It's all, it's that simple, folks. It's, it really is just that simple. Async startup behind Eclair Lightning implementation raises $8 million. This is Aaron Von Weirdham writing for Bitcoin Magazine when yesterday the Lightning Network continues to grow and funding of Lightning development seems to be growing along with it. Async, the Paris-based development company behind the Eclair Lightning implementation, announced today, October the 9th, 2019, that it has raised $8 million in a Series A funding round led by venture capital firm Idinvest. Idinvest. Idinvest Partners, with involvement from investment bank BIP or BPI France and venture capital firm Serena. Following a $1.7 million seed round last year, this brings the total investment in the startup close to $10 million. This must have been written. Okay, they got the date wrong. This is from sometime, obviously from sometime this morning, not yesterday. Shortly after the publication of the Lightning Network paper in 2015, several teams formed to implement the Layer 2 technology for fast and cheap Bitcoin payments. Async was one of these teams, and Eclair is usually considered one of the three main implementations of the Lightning Protocol, the other two being Blockstream C Lightning and Lightning Labs LND. Quote, we are a bit more discreet than Blockstream and Lightning Labs, but I believe we have a fair share of contributions, Patio said. It's important that there are multiple implementations of the Lightning Protocol. It's a guarantee that no single company is in charge and is what makes sure that people are able to trust this technology. Built on Eclair, Async currently offers two additional products. For one, the company was the first to develop a consumer-grade Lightning Wallet application for Android phones, Eclair Mobile. This is one of the most popular Lightning Wallets available today. Additionally, Async maintains the Strike API, which allows businesses to accept Lightning payments easily and to be paid out in aggregated on-chain transactions. To support these services, Async also runs one of the busiest nodes on the Lightning Network today. The Series A funding round will help Async expand its six-person team so the company can continue to build and improve both Eclair Mobile and Strike. Additionally, the startup will soon announce new and as of yet undisclosed products. But perhaps most importantly, Patio said it will allow Async to continue to work on Eclair and therefore on the Lightning Network itself. Quote, people need a better user experience when they use Lightning, but that's only possible if real improvements are made on the protocol level, which takes time. With this funding, we'll now be here for years, Patio said. So, uh, oh, oh, sorry, between Async Blockstream and Lightning Labs, Lightning development has attracted significant funding in recent years. Patio believes this is an indication the industry may be maturing. Quote, we've seen less fundraises in the space in the last two years. It used to be very difficult for outsiders to understand what in the industry has value and what does not, but it's more clear what's important now. Scalability is the most critical thing that prevents Bitcoin from going mainstream, and projects that make sense will still convince investors. That's good news for where we are going with Lightning, said Patio. Serena had 
itself led async seed round, but for Invest in BPI France, this is the first time they're investing in a Bitcoin or blockchain related company. Quote, cryptocurrency's potential is becoming more and more obvious. Veronique Jacques, a director of BPI France's digital investment division, said in a statement, quote, in this area where there is still much to explore and build, Bitcoin provides a platform for experimenting and implementing that is second to none. Lightning is the most promising scalability solution, and we're happy and, ha- and proud to help and partner with Async, a French company that is one of the world's leaders in this new technology. The Lightning Network launched in beta in early 2018. Since then, the network has grown significantly. Just over the last year, the number of publicly visible nodes has tripled to over 10,000, holding over 800 Bitcoin, worth about $6 million at the time of writing, in tens of thousands of payment channels. If non-visible nodes were included in the statistics, the numbers would be even higher, but the private nature of the Lightning Network makes it impossible to know by how much. So there, there's that. Yeah, Lightning... I saw a tweet the yesterday or last night or something like that where somebody said that clearly clearly the lightning network can't work. I just I wonder about that kind of idiocy. This Gab. Gab is in the news. Yes, Gab. We're talking about the apparently the hotbed of Nazi alt-right white power, white supremacist, and all every other label that you can add to that is what Gab is being getting smacked down with. And yet over the years, you know, a couple of years now that they've been, you know, having, having to wade through the social justice warrior bull crap, um, they have all the time pretty much done exactly what they say they're going to do, give a platform for people who have been deplatformed. And that actually includes a couple of left-wing people that they, they, I remember, I remember them tweeting out directly to people who said that they were going to be deplatformed and they were like, Hey, we know that, that you, you don't have the ideals that we do, but here's the invitation. Come on over your, you know, make an account. It's waiting for you and you'll never be deplatformed, even though none of us agree 100% with each other. They don't give a shit. So I, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that Gab's getting a really bad rap just because a bunch of idiots want to say stupid shit all the time. Doesn't make the, the platform that they're saying it on stupid, because if we were to believe that, then you can take the bill of rights and set it on fire because that's the platform of which a lot of stupid people do stupid shit from, from amendments one through 10 right? Amendments one through 10, the bill of rights section of the constitution allows for stupid people to do stupid shit in stupid places with other stupid people. It allows that. Keep that in mind. But in this case, Gab is launching a Bitcoin education effort soliciting donations. This is Colin Harper writing for Bitcoin magazine yesterday in meditation. Oh, good God. What is that? Uh, 17, in Meditation 17, the poet John Donne famously coined the aphorism, no man is an island. That may be true, but what about a social network? Gab is pretty damn close. The highly controversial platform has been blacklisted by email services and web servers. Its tools have been banned from the Firefox and Chrome browsers, and its payment pipeline has been shut off by the likes of PayPal and popular credit cards. These bans have come in reaction to Gab's primarily far-right user base, which has been accused of encouraging violent white nationalistic rhetoric. Case in point, the 2018 Pittsburgh synagogue shooter was an avid user of the site. Oh, God. See, this is 
who a platform does not make people pick up a gun and go kill somebody. If he had written his manifesto on a piece of paper that was made by the Mead paper company, would Mead, should we shut down Mead? No, that's stupid. Oh, sorry. Before I rant, let's, let's get on this thing. Um, a self-described free speech network, Gab refuses to censor even the most radical messages, lest it abandon its laissez-faire ideals. Consequently, Gab has become increasingly ostracized from the wider web and its services, and it started to build out its own tools in a bid, bid for self-sufficiency. It's little surprise, then, that Gab found Bitcoin – and became a fan of the censorship-resistant cryptocurrency. Gab is playing the long game with Bitcoin as one of its primary funding instruments and is now doubling down on its commitment by not just supporting the payments method, but by launching an educational campaign and planning a lightning network integration as well. Good job, Gab. Quote, Bitcoin is free speech money. A a Gab blog post, uh, post by founder Andrew Torba which was posted on October the 7th, 2019, reads, quote, it is now approximately 30% of Gab's operating revenues as of this writing. We expect this to grow going into 2020 and beyond, end quote. The same post revealed that Gab's business account has been banned from PayPal, Stripe, Square, and over 50 banks. But it's also been banned from centralized Bitcoin payment processors like, oh, guess what? BitPay and Coinbase. Sorry, this is me, the two worst companies in Bitcoin. Sorry. This is why Gab needs Bitcoin, as the post claims. It's the obvious path forward if Gab and its community wants to grow. To better its chances, Gab will be rolling out educational resources to teach the masses what Bitcoin is, how it works, and why its design makes it ideal for people or entities in Gab's position. Quote, over the course of the next several months, Gab is going to be creating educational content about Bitcoin. There's a lot to unpack, but we want to provide educational resources that are easy for anyone to understand, the post reads. Gab's recent post also hints at a Lightning Network integration, noting that its team is, quote, speaking with partners at every level of onboarding and infrastructure for Bitcoin wallets, payments, and exchanges. By emboldening its commitment to Bitcoin, Gab believes it has a chance to introduce the cryptocurrency to its under- and its underlying technology to millions of new users, and it already has the product and tools to create real functionality within its social network, the Post boasts, throwing shade at ICOs and other cryptocurrency upstarts, which, quote, lack, end quote, a basic business model. Damn, Skippy, Torby gets it. Why can't y'all, or, well, not you guys, you guys get it, but the rest of them. Continuing, Torba recognizes that Bitcoin is a bewildering topic to most, that its technical intricacies can be daunting, but he concludes his post with a call to action that encourages people to not be intimidated by free speech money. Quote, we aren't asking anyone to invest their life savings into Bitcoin. We are asking you to do the research, learn and purchase a small amount in order to support Gab and content creators who have been banned from t- traditional payment processors online. This is how we li- we will win together with without permission from anyone, reads the last paragraph of the post. So, Gab, n- say what you want, dude. Say what you want. The platform, the piece of paper, the chalk, the wall, the spray can, none of these things are at fault as to what's written with those tools. Why anybody thinks that it is, is absolutely beyond me. Because the hardest thing in the world to do for anyone that is an American that lives here under these rules is the following. I will defend your right to say shit that makes me sick to my stomach until the day I die. 
I will absolutely defend that. Why? Because if I don't, then I will not be able to hear the salient, the sane, the creative ideas, the things that build, the things that reach out to people, the things that touch people's heart. I won't be able to hear that shit either. And as long as we allow the freaks out there, and I'm not talking about Marty Bentz freaks. Those guys are good freaks. The, the fucks in this world, as long as we allow them to run around and boast their crap about how they're going to shut down speech, if you're not defending against that, then we're going, you know, actually we're not going to lose, but you guys are not making it easy to win. Stop allowing the assholes out there and the social justice warriors and the people who don't understand how anything works to tell you how shit should work. Stop it. Just stop it. Scam or iteration at DevCon, Ethereum, diehard still believe in 2.0. Oh God. Coindesks. Uh, this is Lee Kuhn. She is writing. Uh, when was this? Yeah. Sometime yesterday. For Ethereum's critics in the Bitcoin community, last month brought a gotcha moment. Joseph Lubin, co-founder of the second largest cryptocurrency by market cap, acknowledged on stage at Ethereal Tel Aviv that the network in its original form wasn't built for mass adoption. Quote, we knew it wasn't going to be scalable for sure, the consensus CEO said. Then that means you lied to everybody, Joe. You and Vitalik and all the rest of your crew bold-faced lied to everyone on the planet about your shitty shitcoin. You should at least feel bad. Sorry, but that's just the way it is. They knew it wasn't going to scale. They knew from day one it was impossible. And they fed the crap to the masses as much as they could, and they got rich as shit on the bags of the helpless, the weak, and the stupid, and the uninformed, and the ignorant. And how these people walk around, slip into bed, and fall asleep at night is beyond my wildest imaginings. There's no way I would be able to do that. Continuing. Predictable cries of scam from ardent Bitcoiners followed. Yeah, I wonder why. But Lubin's statement wasn't scandalous in the least to the Ethereum fans at DEFCON, the community's largest and most influential annual gathering, where roughly 3,000 attendees gathered this week in Osaka, Japan. Maybe that should read roughly 3,000 bag holders who got lied to gathered this week in Osaka, Japan. Even those who knew the first version wasn't scalable don't see early marketing claims as misleading. They see iteration as an inherent process. Quote, Bitcoiners are kind of like hardcore fascist Catholics that just think everything else is wrong. Dean Eichmann, a researcher at the Ethereum startup Status, told Coindesk, I think Ethereum underdelivered on its promises, but it has delivered. That doesn't even make any sense. What? What? I think Ethereum under-delivered on its promises, but it has delivered. Guys, that sentence doesn't even make sense. It's that That's a nonsense statement. That's somebody who's grasping at straws and has no real understanding. This is so, it's so sad watching all these people get their money taken from them by this group of scammers. 
the continuing, the sanguine vibe at DevCon highlights the difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum, which has emerged as its own force to be reckoned with. Bitcoin is an individualistic monetary asset, while Ethereum, convoluted as its path to mass adoption may be, is a communal promise to continue experimenting with smart contracts together. Summa co-founder James Prestwich, one of the leaders of a project aiming to create cross-chain capital flows between Bitcoin and Ethereum, told Coindesk he believes all cryptocurrency narratives evolve. So even if a blockchain manifests something different than the original white paper, that doesn't make it a scam. Quote, something will exist in 10 years. It may not bear any resemblance to the Ethereum that exists today. And there may not be good continuity, Prestwich said, but something named Ethereum will be around in 10 years. So, oh, sorry. Speaking of the Ethereum Foundation, led in part by Ethereum creator Vitalik Buterin, Eigman or Eigman added, quote, the foundation hasn't taken the money and run. Well, then give it back. So what have the Ethereum founders discovered since they sold more than 7 million tokens to retail investors to kickstart the network in 2014? For starters, they spawned a global lifestyle brand. That's a distinct aesthetic that defines Ethereum events from rainbows and pastel palettes, vegan-friendly snacks, and magician-themed group panels about financial inclusion. Many of the attendees gathered on Tuesday were among the cohort who had previously put their money in communal pools governed by open-source software, uh, including more than $537 million U.S. worth of crypto locked into decentralized finance applications. If Bitcoiners harp on freedom from censorship, Ethereum fans are focused on creating open and collaborative platforms with more egalitarian governance than traditional institutions. The bottom line is the original Ethereum platform inspired billions of dollars worth of economic activity from token sales to DeFi loans and influenced the way regulators view cryptocurrencies that decentralized after fundraising. Ethereum also attracted a devoted following of more than 17,000 developers around the world, according to the startup DatPros. <laughs> but the jury is still out as to whether that accrued value will translate to the next version of the smart contract platform. DevCon attendees weren't shy in discussing the road ahead and who will fund this work. According to Peter Merrick, Ethereum client Parity's head of communication, the bulk of Ethereum-related funding programs will now prioritize creating a new blockchain, ETH2. Sources with knowledge of such development plans estimated it would take at least two years to build this next version of Ethereum. Quote, no one really knows what ETH1 will look like since ETH2 exists. Or, I'm sorry, no one will really, no one really knows what ETH1 will look like once ETH2 exists. There's not a ton of new development going on in the current chain clients. Most of the ongoing work is maintenance. As Prestwich explained, the first phase of ETH2, called Phase 0, is coming this winter. <laughs> winter is coming. Ether moved at the fa- to the phase two zero or phase zero chain will be converted to a new token. These tokens can't be moved on chain. At least six months after launch, a hard fork will add transfers. Until then, users are locked in. <laughs> so no one's making decisions for you guys. That seems clear, I guess. I don't know, but... I mean that, you know, the rest of this is just a love, you know, sort of like a love fest. It is clear. The the marketing shit wasn't done in the white paper. The reason I'm bringing that back up is it was, it was like, oh, well, you know, just because the white paper says something doesn't mean that it won't turn into something else. No, I, I a hundred percent agree with that. 
Because the white paper that you guys handed out weren't making marketing claims, at least not anywhere close to what you guys were doing at on stage, in blog posts, in tweets, on Facebook. You guys were selling this thing. You were marketing the crap out of the story of Ethereum and decentralized and all that shit. You were lying all the way through and all the while you knew this shit won't work and that you're going to need another one. This has been a clown show from the start. Why anybody at all has any trust in Ethereum or any of its garbage that, that supports it is beyond me. How how is it that you like can sit there and go, yeah, ETH one didn't work, but that's cool because ETH two will. When is ETH three coming out? When will they tell you that that they made a, a bungling error in ETH two, and then it will be ETH three, and then ETH four and five and six and seven. Guys, punch out, dude. Just punch out. The last thing that we're going to do is talk about the Swiss National Bank. This is a press release directly from them on the 8th of October, 2019. It said, or it's entitled SNB and BIS sign operational agreement on BIS Innovation Hub Center in Switzerland. All right, let's find out what's going on. The Swiss National Bank and the Bank for International Settlements have today signed an operational agreement on the BIS Innovation Hub Center in Switzerland. The hub will identify and develop in-depth insights into critical trends in technology affecting central banking, develop public goods in the technology space geared towards improving the functioning of the global financial system, and serve as a focal point for a network of central, central bank experts on innovation. In the initial phase, hub centers will be established in Switzerland, Hong Kong, and Singapore. The Swiss Center will initially conduct research on two projects. The first of these will examine the integration of digital central bank money into a distributed ledger technology infrastructure. This new form of digital central bank money would be aimed at facilitating the settlement of tokenized assets between financial institutions. Tokens are digital assets that can be transferred from one party to another. The project will be carried out as part of a collaboration between SNB and the Six Group in the form of proof of concept. The second project will address the rise in requirements placed on central banks to be able to effectively track and monitor fast-paced electronic markets. These requirements are arising in particular from the greater automation and fragmentation of the financial markets, but also from the increased use of new technologies. Thomas J. Jordan, chairman of the governing board of the SNB, said, quote, The SNB has for some time been closely following the digitalization of the financial sector and the technological innovations in the areas covered by its mandate. Through the cooperation at the BIS Innovation Hub Center in Switzerland, the SNB will be able to further expand its expertise into the area of financial markets and their infrastructures. We look forward to bolstering our collaboration with the BIS and other central banks in this space. Augustin Karstens, general manager of the BIS, said, quote, We are very proud that one of the first three hub centers will be here in Switzerland, where the BIS has been based for nearly 90 years. Switzerland is a hotbed for, of innovation. This comes on top of its overall competitiveness, well-established financial ecosystem, and strong academic institutions specializing in technology. So what does all this mean, ladies and gentlemen? All of this means that they're late to the game. I mean, I'm kind of trying not to laugh, but they're so late to the game, and they were so wrong 
They were so absolutely freaking wrong in their estimations about Bitcoin that they just kept rolling the way that they were rolling. They are 10, actually at this point, they're 11 years behind and they're never going to catch up because they're too fat, they're too slow, and they're too lazy. I mean, my God, they've had all the, they've had decades to catch up with technology. No, still using Swift. You still, you still have like all these middlemen in between. They haven't figured out a way to cut out any of them because they don't want to cut out any of them. They're all their friends. They're making shit tons of money being the middleman. Now the technology is 10 years ahead that basically takes middlemen and uses it as, uses them as fuel. It burns middlemen. Bitcoin eats this shit for breakfast and lunch and dinner. And they're 11, 10 to 11 years behind. And yesterday, yesterday, the BIS, or Bank of International Settlements, finally decided to officially announce that it gives a shit about blockchain technology because that's what this is. That's all this. And they're going to, I guarantee you, they're going to go in the wrong direction. I can tell by distributed ledger technology. Although, well, actually, yeah, because of distributed ledger technology. You don't need any of this shit. I mean, you need all this shit. The stuff that we want, the stuff that we like, they need that stuff to operate. But if they do, they work themselves out of the positions of power that they're in. So expect them to do all of the wrong things. And the only thing it's going to do is slow down Bitcoin. But it may actually speed it up at the very end of that that slowdown. It, it may end up going parabolic, not the price, but the adoption because more and more people will just look at these at these guys going, you know, you had all this time to do this and now you're doing it, but you're doing it wrong again and trust will be lost. And that that's just, I don't know. I mean, the bank, central banks are not going to die, but they might get put into a coma and we might have to take care of them for a while. I don't know how it's going to look, but I do know that this is capitulation from the SNB but moreover from the uh, Bank of International Settlements, which is the central bank of central banks. And that's going to do it for your morning roundup. Your vital statistics is brought to you as usual bit info charts mempool and 1ml all these guys together are giving us some pretty good information bitcoin is oh my god bitcoin is at a price of 8427 yeah we're getting bumped apparently uh looks like we got a low over at oh coinbase pro is going to list it at 8408 and the high is going to be at GDAX at $8,452, so like a 25 or a 50-point spread, 40-point spread, something like that. 286,000 transactions have taken place over the last 24 hours with about 12,000 transactions being hap- or happening per hour. 788,000 BTC have been sent in the last 24 hours. 32,800 are being sent every hour on the hour on average. The average transaction value is 2.75 BTC. The median is 0.025 BTC or right around 200 bucks. Block time is pegged right at 10 minutes and zero seconds. 
0.178 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis and 25 BTC have been taken in overall fees over the last 24 hours. Woohoo! We are above 100 exahashes per second with a 3% gain to 102 exahashes per second on the hash rate. The last GitHub commit was sometime this morning. Uh, Shitcoin 1 Ethereum, $191. Bcash, $239. Litecoin, $59. BSV, $87. Ethereum Classic is $4.75. Dogecoin holding at 0.0024. Is it beating anybody? It is not, but it's only 200 transactions away from beating like from uh, tying Litecoin at 24,968 transactions over the last 24 hours. So mempool, we are, we're deep in the mempool guys. We are 14 blocks deep with damn about 30,000 unconfirmed transactions. Every block that I'm looking past block and future block that I'm looking at is over one megabyte in size. Uh, Lightning Network stuff, we've got, oh, nice. We have 12 new nodes in the last 24 hours, and that is represents a 10% increase on a day-over-day. Uh, new channels is down, however. We only have 122 channels being birthed in the last 24 hours, which represents a 20% drop on a day-over-day average. The number of nodes, nice. We are now officially over 10,100 nodes. We have 10,103, and it looks like that is a uh, 2.7% jump in the last 30 days. Let's see if there's anything else going on. Network capacity has dropped by 4% in the last 20, or wait, is that last 30 days? Yeah. Network capacity has dropped to 814 BTC in the last uh, 30 days. And the number of channels has dropped in the last 30 days uh, to or at to 35,246, which is still a lot. That's a lot of channels, man. So uh, that is going to do it for your uh, vital statistic for the day. Yeah, if you think you're going to get out of it, you're not. Today's daily song is the last daily song, except it's done by somebody different. This is a, in my opinion, a punk version, a punk rocker version of Brian Adams' Summer of 69, which was Monday's song. I like doing this. I don't care if everybody hates me for it. It's good to see another person's take on the same object, whether it's a song a poem, the way it's read, an adaptation of a movie. It doesn't matter. It's always good to see how other people see somebody's original work. It's good to see how the original originator of that work saw it, obviously, because that's how we get it. But it's really good to see how somebody heard it, changed it around in their mind, the way that their mind interpreted it, interpreted all the signals, and how they gave it back out in a different form. This is one of the most coolest things about the human condition is our ability to, I was about to say feed off each other, but that kind of sounds bad, um, to basically play with each other, you know, to take something that somebody did and, and not make it better, hopefully not make it worse, just make it different. It's a different way of hearing the same song. So this is Bowling for Soup, which I had never heard of before. I was searching for, a, you know, somebody else's take on 69 
because I like doing that kind of stuff. And I ran across this one and realized that this band apparently had been around like forever, like since the, in the eighties, my God. And the, the fact that I never heard of these people before makes me think that I wasn't listening to enough music when I was a teenager. And I'm not sure how the hell that's possible. I listened to music almost every day. I listen to podcasts now, like I used to listen to music every day. How these guys slipped under my radar is beyond my comprehension. Does not matter. Bowling for Soup, doing Brian Adams, Summer 69. Got my first real six man uh daily train wrecked is brought to you i think this guy has been a daily train wrecked more than any other character on on bitcoin twitter yes it's kevin fam uh at underscore kevin underscore fam spelled p-h-a-m the guy is famous in circles for well 
he was a really good Bitcoiner for like two straight, straight up two years, hardcore Bitcoiner. And then all of a sudden he fell in with Roger, Calvin and Craig, right? Uh, with the creation of Bcash, may its name never be said the way that they want it said. And then even more famously, so he just alienated like, I don't know, 80% of his base. He got a whole bunch more people, you know, a whole bunch of different people following him. It the His whole narrative shifted. It was bizarre to watch it happen in real time. It wasn't like it took months. It was like days, like three, three days. It was like you went from Kevin fam to Kevlar fam. If you don't know what the Kevlar remark is, he wore a bulletproof vest to a conference because he, I guess he was fearing for his life. Uh, it just, the, the circus that goes on around this stuff is, is very entertaining. But then Kevin Pham decided that that wasn't enough. When the, when the inevitable, and we knew, we all knew it was going to happen when the inevitable rift formed in Bcash between Roger Ver and Calvin Ayer and Craig Wright, uh, like Calvin Ayer and Craig Wright sided against Roger. They wanted to do like increase the block size. Roger was like, no, we're, we're fine right now, which is ironic in itself. We won't get into that. Um, then they split. Well, they took Kevin, they took little baby Kevin with them. And again, like in this time it was over fricking night that BCH was a shit coin and BSV was Satoshi's true vision. And he's been there ever since. So he flip flops a lot, which brings us to today's daily train wreck. Kevin Pham sometime last night says the following crypto is officially dead. I'm calling it screenshot this. Hell, I don't even know what to say about that. I really don't, man. I mean, it's like, so I, I guess he's like now even BSV is dead to him and all crypto is dead. And, and you know, maybe he's going to go hang out with Augustine Karstens over at the BIS or the Swiss National Bank or something like that. Maybe they're, maybe his new patrons, the people that bought him off most recently are, is the banking cartel. Who knows? But one thing that that I'm sure of is that I was I was correct in my call when he when he decided to skip big, actual Bitcoin and throw in with BCH and that crew. I, I I knew he was just another scammer in the space looking for a free lunch, and I'm sad that I got taken in by the guy. But the minute he flipped that first time, I, I was like, "Yeah, you're you're done, Kevin." You're the smoldering pile for the day. I, I, I wish you well in your future endeavors in the banking industry because apparently you're going to go right back to Wells Fargo from whence you came. Your terrible joke corner again brought to you by Dad Says Jokes at Dad Says Jokes on Twitter. Dogs can't operate MRI machines, but cats can. See, see again, again, this 
is one of the, these short jokes, like a handful of syllables, a handful of syllables is able to make a coherent, terrible joke. It's like poetry. And if you don't believe me, go buy your bag of shit coin because I honestly, I don't, I don't have anything to say to you. I mean, especially considering that this, this one works both read and told, but cat scan, C A T S C A N. You get a cat scan, you know what it is here. It's been, it, it, it was, you know, it's used as a punchline and either way it takes just a hint of neural power by the listener to invest into figuring it out. And again, I think that that investment that you, you've got to have some kind of buy-in into the joke. What's neat about dad jokes is that your buy-in in time is not all that extreme. It's not like listening to, you know, an hour long Carlin show, you know, George Carlin or something like that, or hearing somebody tell, you know, a good joke, but it happens to be longer. You've got a, you've got a time investment. What's neat about these really bad jokes is that they should be damn short so that it's okay to groan. You know, you, you don't have any time investment. It's just like a few s- syllables, again, string them together where they make a coherent yet short as shit, you know, sentence and, and punchline is amazing to me. And I think it should be considered poetry. And that's why I bring you bad jokes all of the time. They're worth it. All right, getting out. It's Wednesday, hump day. We've got bump. Wow, Bitcoin just hit. Let's see, where am I at? I'm on Bitstamp. I'm on Trading View, but I'm use, using the Bitstamp price, and it's at 8,523, so a little bit of recovery. Um, you know how this game is played, guys. Don't get all that excited. I'm looking at the volume. Wow, that's actually decent volume for once. I'm on the hourly. Don't... and. Guys, I, I'm not a TA. I'm just, I've heard you guys talk for so long that there's some things that I do know, but I got, I'm on the hourly. We've got 36 minutes left in this, in this candle. There was an hour candle before that's green. This, and then the last hour candle was huge. And we're working on this third candle The the candle that just came before has a volume of on Bitstamp of looks like two, 2,868. It's the largest volume candle I've seen in quite a while. This has taken our 14-day and 7-day RSIs. Uh, let's see, 7-day RSI or 14-day RSI is at 80. And our 7-day RSI is well above 80. So be aware, don't freak out if this collapses on us to get the RSIs back into, into some kind of condition. Um, that's, what, that's what I'm expecting. But again, dudes, guys, I'm... I'm not a TA. If I was, I'd be horrible at it. Don't listen to me. This is not investment advice. Just buy the dip and stack some sats and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.